0: I want you to listen as I read four passages to you. The first is when Moses was asking God to provide a replacement to lead his people in his absence. God had told Moses, I'm going to bring you up to the top of Mount Pisgah. You're going to view the Holy Land, and then I'm going to take you home. And Moses said, that's that's great, Lord, but... I pray that you would provide a leader for your people. And here's how he said it in Numbers 27, verses 15 through 17. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd." Second passage I read for you is from 1 Kings 22 when the prophet Micaiah was describing his vision of the armies of Israel after Ahab would be killed. And here's what he said, 1 Kings twenty-two seventeen, 17, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master, let them return every man to his house In peace. The third passage is that very same incident as recorded in the book of 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 18, verse 16. Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the third and final passage is from the text that we read a few minutes ago, Matthew 9, verse 36. Jesus said, uh, It's talking about Jesus when he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. From these four passages, which all use that same simile, as sheep having no shepherd, let me make some general observations and follow me carefully here because it's going to take a few sets of these observations to get to our to where we can begin what we need to talk about tonight. And that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? But it's not, I hope. Okay. From these four passages that all use that same simile as sheep having no shepherds, shepherd. Number one, the work of the Lord always involves groups of people. And I would challenge you to disprove that from the Bible. You can't. The work of the Lord always involves groups of people. God often compares a group of people to a flock of sheep. Thirdly, wherever there's a flock of sheep, there must be a shepherd. And God presents it as a negative thing for a flock of sheep, that is a group of people, to have no shepherd present. Four times, the Bible says, "As sheep with no shepherd and presents that as a negative circumstance. Now, based on that chain of Bible truths, let me make these observations. Listen carefully. The more people our church reaches, the more groups of people there will be on our property. You saw that last week. Now, the fact is, last week was an awesome Sunday, and it was different. And because of the, the bus not being here and because we had a meal afterwards, it seemed a little bit more hectic. The fact is, the Sunday before, we actually had more people than we had last Sunday because both Sundays were very successful days in the bus ministry and, and uh, also very successful with people uh, driving in. And, and there were only, the difference was only about five people but uh, the in, in the size of the crowd but the last two sundays have been uh, good sized crowds and as i said we we realized it more because last week number 1 we had no bus and number 2 we we had a meal afterwards so the more our church more people our church reaches the more groups of people there will be on our property in order for our church to lead multiple groups of people or flocks, and I want you to think that way, more flocks around the property. There's a flock here in the, I'm talking about Sunday school now, there's a flock here in the auditorium, there's a flock in the in the classroom back there. There's a flock downstairs and then that breaks into other flocks and there's another flock of adults downstairs and there's uh, flocks up in the house. And, and we also have to understand that there's the potential for groups of people to collect uh, in the front, in, in the lobby, on the front porch, in the parking lot. All of these places have the potential for people to flock. In order for our church to lead multiple groups of people or multiple flocks, scripturally, safely, and effectively, we must have more shepherds. I'm not talking teachers right now. I'm talking about people who know how to be in the presence of a group of people and be in charge. You know, you can be in charge without saying a word. But what a group of people needs, no matter where they're gathered, we're talking, we're talking in church right now. We're talking scripturally right now. What a group of people needs is not somebody who can sing or or, or lead singing or teach or preach or or even have a personality or work the crowd, but somebody who is present. Who's in charge? in charge of the situation and you can be silent and be in charge. When you're in charge, people can feel your presence though you don't say a word. So I say again and this may be the most important statement in setting up the instruction that we that we're going to find for the Bible, In order for our church to lead multiple groups of people, multiple flocks, scripturally, safely, and effectively, we must have more shepherds. What if God were to drop in our lap right now a property that has, say, twice as much square footage as what we have? More auditorium, more classrooms. What if the Lord were to drop in our lap a place where <clears throat> a facility where we're where, where able to have more services going on at once? Imagine a property where we could have a, a Spanish service and a Portuguese service. You say, well, not right now. Who would who would teach it? I'm, just, I'm saying at some point. Um Imagine God gives us a property where while we're having the morning service, the main service, there's also a teen service, there's also an older elementary service, there's also a younger elementary service. That could be deemed a necessity right now. Adults, teenagers, older elementary, younger elementary, and let's throw Spanish in there. Let's suppose the Lord gave us well, that's five rooms, five flocks right there going on at the same time. Right now, we basically Sunday morning have three flocks going out at the same time during church time. We've got a flock in here. We've got a flock downstairs. We have a flock in the nursery. Now, add by the way, add nursery to the list. Now we've got six. Suppose the Lord gave us a facility where we had six flocks of people going on at one time. We wouldn't need teachers. We wouldn't need song leaders. I'm saying teachers and song leaders are great and awesome, and I love them. But what we would need is people who know how to be present among a flock of people and let the people in that room know somebody's in charge. And that is a shepherd as opposed to an unsupervised flock. We've got to make very careful. If we're going to do the Lord's work effectively and scripturally, maybe switch that around, scripturally, effectively, and safely, we've got to be keenly aware that there are not flocks of people unsupervised. What do you mean unsupervised? You mean grown-ups need to be supervised? Every room needs a representative in it, somebody who knows what's going on, someone who can answer people's questions. I'll get to these specifics in a second. And someone knows who knows how to keep peace. Because among any age group, things can get out of control. And last Sunday, one of the, one of the challenges with the bus not showing up, is we had people bringing in carloads and vanloads of people, going back out, bring them in. And uh, so now we've got groups of people on the property here that needed supervision. And uh, we, you met the challenge. That's awesome. But it also made us aware that we need people who know how to do that, people who know how to just be present and keep the peace. So I'll say again, and this is that key statement and this is maybe the last time I'll make it, in order for our church to lead multiple groups of people or flocks, scripturally, safely, and effectively, we must have more shepherds. One of the great needs of our church at this moment is more people who are willing to come to church on Sunday morning and do the work of a shepherd. Just be present in a room, And make sure everything is smooth. Make sure everything is under control. So let's talk about the work of the shepherd. What does a shepherd have to do? And this is not, honestly, not the essence. The essence of the message will come in a few minutes when I give you the the tools of the shepherd. But right now, let's talk about the work of the shepherd. Number one, if, you're going to, if, you want, if you say, yeah, okay, I don't think I'm qualified, but I, could, I, I would be interested in helping in that way. Number one, show up. Because if you don't show up, we still have sheep with no shepherd. What God's church needs, not just here, but everywhere, is people who take their voluntary job for Jesus Christ. Even more seriously than they take their secular job, now I hope you're not dumb enough to just not show up to work and not call them to tell them you're not going to show up, because you won't have a job for long. That every place I've ever worked, that was automatic termination, no call, no show one time, unless there had, turns out to have been some you know, horrible accident or something. But you know, I worked a lot of three to 11 shifts. three11. It, it clicks three 11 uh, It clicks three o'clock. And uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock, you're not there, you didn't call. I mean, they may give you time to say, oh, no, I was in a life or death accident on the way. But barring that, if you can't show up and you can't call to tell them, and that was even pre-cell phone, those jobs I'm talking about, you can't call to tell them, uh, you're fired, no questions asked. But we need to take our job for God that seriously. We need to take, and some of you do, by the way. Some of you do when you're not going to be able to be in your place to do your job. I get a phone call or a text or, or Brother Corky does and charge you the elementary to say, I'm not going to be there today. Why? Because if, if, if it is so important that there not be sheep without a shepherd in, on, on the property, then we've got to know that the sheep are not going to have a shepherd so that we can fill that spot. So show up or call in. Second work of a shepherd is to be early, because again, if the sheep get there before the shepherd does, there are still sheep without a shepherd. And uh, it is it is absolute. I can't, I can't even tell you. I know I harp on on uh, punctuality and being early. And you say, Pastor, you run it in the ground. Maybe I do, but you know what? You come to Sunday school at at, uh, at quarter to ten or ten o'clock and praise the Lord. We have a bunch of shepherds in place. You'd be amazed at how many churches you go to and uh, the pastor's there five minutes before to, to unlock the building and uh, the people come in five minutes after ten minutes after. listen, if we had that kind those kind of shepherds in our church, we couldn't have a bus ministry. We're able to have to reach people with the bus. Because we have shepherds who think it's important to get here before the sheep do. And so a shepherd, the work of a shepherd is to show up or call in, be early, and then listen to this, and this is a concept that I I need to be, we we need to get organized in, and it rests on me. We're not at this place, but we need to get there. Number three, oversee the people in an assigned area. Listen carefully. My ideal plan for Sunday morning is to have the church property divided into specific sections and have a person assigned to each of those sections. Even sections where there doesn't seem to be going anything, anything to be going on. But to have a responsible person in place to be in control of whatever might go on we would really be so much more effective than we are if we could get to that place. And if we could get to that place, I'm talking about where, now, you know, I, I'm not Mr. Uh, you know, Sector 12 and Zone 5 and all that stuff, and we're not going to have you know shoulder or microphone. Yeah, Sector 12 is clear. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is a very subtle presence on the entire property we're a person who's not a teacher, maybe is, maybe isn't, but not, not necessarily a teacher, not necessarily somebody who has some important title, but just a responsible adult. This is your area. You're going to get here 15 minutes before Sunday school starts or 15 minutes before the church service. Now, I'm not talking, by the way, I'm not talking about Sunday night or Wednesday night, because sunday night wednesday night are the nights when the shepherds come together. But I'm talking about sunday morning when we when we always have visitors, sunday morning when we always have people who don't know the routine and to have someone in the auditorium. Someone else in the lobby. Someone else in the front of the church. Someone else in the parking lot. I'm not talking teachers necessarily, I'm talking about someone who's just an adult who's in control, who can, who, who's just there. Maybe they're greeting people. Maybe they're, maybe they're just standing there looking around, you know, whatever. But who... And, and I'm not talking security guards. I'm talking shepherds who are prepared to handle a flock. Because if we don't have that, all we have is a building where we show up and assemble. And we are prepared, basically, for all kinds of, what's the word, Uh, bedlam, mayhem, turmoil. If all we have is a building where we all just show up, anything can happen, and we're not ready for it. And again, I'm not talking violence, and I'm not talking about the shooting. I'm I'm not talking any of that. I didn't prepare this with that in mind. I'm just talking about people coming to church and having their needs met. People coming to church and knowing, hey, there's people here who care. There's people here who, who, who uh, know what's going on. These people have a program. They are prepared to deal with problems that arise. These people take God's work seriously. So a shepherd shows up or calls in. He's early. He oversees the people in an assigned area. And, uh, I, I mean, I want to get this to the place, what I've just described here, church property divided into specific sections and have a person assigned to each of those sections. I want to get to the place where that's in place not only every Sunday, but for any special event. I'm talking about where it could be put in place on the spur of the moment. Let's say we have special meetings and a much bigger crowd shows up than what we anticipated. That happens once in a while. And all it would take would be to me, for me to say to, to Brother Freddie, hey, get the word out uh, that, that we're going to put the whatever we call it into effect. So that everybody who is there, who is a part of that strategy that I just described, they know, okay, I've got to go down and stand outside the door downstairs because that's my spot, just to make sure that there is a church presence in the parking lot. And somebody else says, all right, I know that means i got to go out in front of the front door because, because uh, that, that plan being enacted means that there is a church presence in the front walk, the front area. Hey, what happens if somebody is, is walking down this walk and they're turning the corner and it's wintertime so the front door is closed and they have a fall as they're turning the corner? And because the door is closed, because nobody's out there, there's nobody there to see that, and they're just laying there asking for help. That's, that's our responsibility. And we, it's not about liability. I mean, it will be about liability right now. It's just about helping people. So I'm talking about a strategy that we will organize that has this in place, that lets the whole world know, including primarily ourselves, that we're serious about this. This isn't a game. We're not playing. We're serious about this. Okay, the work of the shepherd is next to stay in that area. So, oh, you know what? I'm thirsty, so I think I'll leave my spot and go get a drink. No, we're only talking about being there 10 minutes before the service. You can wait to get a drink. You can wait to go to the bathroom. They gave some advice about that apparently at the ladies' meeting yesterday. How to? Anyway, you can ask my wife if you need to hear the specifics on that one. Uh, number five, to represent Christ to the people in that area. There ought to be a representative of Jesus Christ in the auditorium, even before class starts. There ought to be a representative, an official representative of Jesus Christ who represents him well in that lobby. And I know what you, well, pastor, we're all supposed to represent Christ. You're missing a point. You're missing a point. That's why things are poorly organized, because we all want to blame it on this fictitious thing of what we're all supposed to be doing. Do you know why churches are failing in the cause of Christ? because we're not all doing what we're supposed to be doing. So you got to organize. And you got to assign. you got to show up and do a job. Stay in that area. Represent Christ to the people in that area. Answer questions for the people in that area. Keep the peace in that area. Well, we don't have a bunch of riots ready to break out all over the property. But if we have a shepherd in every section of the property doing their job, it never gets to that. If we have some special event, where, uh, oh, things are a little crazy, things are a out, of, out of control. No, you're a fixture in that room, and everybody knows you're there, and everybody knows you're in control. Keep the peace in that area. Be the authority, the representative of our church in that area. A shepherd, that's the work of a shepherd. And finally, the work of a shepherd, take the proper steps to solve problems in that area. Problems are very, very rare. I'm talking about big problems where you have to take action. But you need to be prepared to do that. All right, so let's jump to, and here's the core of it tonight. And listen carefully, and I'm going to read some passages to you and give you some descriptions, and I'm going to keep on moving so we get through this. Effective ministry leadership tools from the Bible. I don't care where you've ever learned leadership. I don't care what what management courses you have. It is not ministry leadership unless it's ministry leadership. Ministry leadership is in a class all its own. And I've heard many a former uh, a business leader who now is in the ministry or many a former uh, military leader, sports leader, team leaders who now enter the ministry and say it's a completely different ball game because now we're representing Jesus Christ and it's, it's different than managing people. I'm going to give you four effective ministry leadership tools. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. The key to effect, listen, now we're talking about, we're talking about, picture yourself, let's put you, let's put you up in the house before Brother Zach gets up there, before my wife gets up there, before uh, Miss Catherine gets up there, before my dad gets up there, There, those are the teachers and the leaders up there. Before they get there, and you're just up there because that's your spot. And you know you're supposed to be there until those people get there. Once they get there, you can come down and be a part of whatever. But that's, it's your job to get here at 945 and be up in that house. What do you do? All right, listen, picture yourself in that spot. That's your assignment you got teenagers coming in. Their parents just dropped them off, and they're up there now. And, and so you got six, seven teenagers, and you're going, what do I do? Okay, I want to give you four effective ministry leadership tools. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit. Listen carefully. The key to effective ministry leadership is winning the hearts of people. If, you're, if you win the hearts of people, they will follow you. So that if you say, hey, knock it off, well, because you've won their heart, they will knock it off. How many of you know, you know, from being a kid, you still remember the substitute teacher syndrome? (laughs) You don't want to be the substitute teacher. You want to be the person that just has the ability to capture their hearts. You say, well, that's impossible, or that's, you know, that's just a personality thing. No, it's not impossible, and no, it's not just a personality thing. Nothing wins people's hearts like the fruit of the spirit. Now let me demonstrate to you, to you that nothing is more essential to spiritual leadership than the fruit of the spirit. Let's go through it. Love. Love assures people that you care. Once people know that you care, they will follow. I'm talking about you standing up in that room going, hey, now you guys need to knock that, leave that alone. Once they know you care, they will listen to you when you say that. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. It's a challenge. But that's the objective. Let the Spirit of God manifest His fruit in you and it will cause people to follow you. Love, joy. Joy makes people want to be around you. Hey, it's a great, humor is a great leadership tool. That's why Sunday morning, yes, I do want to greet the people, but one of the main reasons that I stand out here as the bus unloads and and kids come in is to help set the tone for Sunday school. And I have this, this, just this, you know, stupid, Stick that I use, where's your smile? And as kids come in, you know where's your I shake hands where are your, oh, you forgot your smile and, uh, and I stay there now once in a while, I get a challenge that you know they win and I lose, but, but usually usually I win. and it's funny kids come well I 'll see them get off the bus and they're laughing and smile and they 'll get fifteen feet away from me and right away because they're taking on the challenge all right I'm going to show pastor, I'm going to show pastor that he can't make me smile ninety nine percent of the time I win. And why do I do that? Because humor sets the tone. We're happy here. And we're glad that you're here. And let's have a good time. And so I want to stand outside. I don't want to be the big sourpuss that sits up front, stands up front, makes everybody grumpy. I want to set the tone. So I want to have joy. And I want to spread it to other people. And humor is a wonderful tool. Peace. Peace is a fruit, part of the fruit of the Spirit. What does peace do? When you have peace... It's contagious, and it brings calm to the room. Long-suffering. Long-suffering helps you to endure the negatives that must be endured. If you're going to be one of these shepherds, and you're going to be in that spot, and you're going to say, oh, man, all these kids. What's going on? What do I do? You're going to have to endure some things, and you're going to to have the wisdom to know, I can't put up with that, but I can put up with this. I can tolerate this. I just can't let them cross this line. And so you tolerate some things uh, while, you're, while you're waiting for this nightmare to be over. But anyway, gentleness. Gentleness treats everyone with kindness. You know, sometimes people have never worked with kids before. They, they get this, and I haven't I have, seen it among you. This is not a back you know left-handed uh, correction kind of a thing or backhand whatever. Um, but I have definitely seen it in my lifetime where people think, the way to control kids is to get tough with them. Again, the substitute teacher thing. The substitute bus driver when I was a kid, we just laughed at that guy. And, and uh, you know, they, we have substitute. I can remember substitute bus drivers who curse at us, threaten us. And especially now, you can't, you know, threats now. You know, back then when they said, I'll smack you upside the head. Well, parties said they might do it, but not now. You you touch me, you're going to jail, and you know it, and I know it. That doesn't make them the winner. And by the way, you can't touch them. And I should mention this. uh, We're we're going to have a risk management expert come in, hopefully in January, to teach us what we can and cannot do. (laughs) And to scare the daylights out of us if we ever do the things we're not supposed to do. Because all it takes is one bad mood on one Sunday for you to shut this whole thing down. And so, and so're we're, we're, we're trying to schedule that for January, but you you doesn't mean that you have to concede. just by, by the way, we should be strong enough in the Lord that we don't have to resort to to physical threats in order to win people's hearts and, and uh, bring control, keep control in the room. Goodness, goodness solves problems and disputes fairly. Faith, when you have faith, it demonstrates God honoring resolve and purpose. You reflect why we're here. We're not here. Look, for a kid to go to school and get yelled at all week, and I'm not implying that that happens to every kid in every school, but we we all went to school, so we know that there's classrooms where it's just screaming all day. And um, for them to come to church and get the same thing here, eventually they're going to wise up and say, Why do I need this? They need to get something here they don't get anywhere else, which is love. And. This point was, you know, faith. Faith has a resolve that this is why we're here. Meekness. Meekness uses strength discreetly. Temperance. Temperance controls yourself. So, number one tool of ministry leadership, effective ministry leadership, the fruit of the Spirit. Second one, authority in your voice. Matthew, 20, Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the uh, people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I do think that includes the content because Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's, it's talking about the content. It's also talking about the way the content is presented. You've heard that it's been said, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, Hey, not your brother. I'm just, you know, I don't have the sermon on the Mount memorized, but I'm just giving an example of the way that I believe Jesus spoke with authority. I don't necessarily mean that Jesus was, you know, a wind-sucking southern, you know, and uh, you have heard uh, that the Bible has said that. Uh, I don't mean that. I don't think he preached like that. But I do think when he spoke, you could hear him. I think you could tell, I know you could tell by the tone of his voice because the people got that impression. He means what he says. When I went to college, and I was, I was a pretty soft-spoken guy when I went to college. And I'm not talking about preaching now. I'm talking about working in the bus ministry and working with kids on the bus. And I noticed that there were guys who, who man, they, just, they could just take control of a bus full of people. And they spoke, and all of a sudden, people. You know, I would see, I would see inexperienced workers go and say, "Okay, everybody sit down, everybody be quiet." And everybody was ignoring that guy. And then another guy would get up and say, "Hey," and they'd sit down just like that. And all he said was, "Hey." And I'm not exaggerating. And I just thought that guy was born with something different than, than those, those people were. No, they weren't born with it. Speaking with authority is something that you can learn. Now, I used a poor example there because actually shouting hey is not really what I'm talking about. It's just a matter of, okay, let me give you a contrast of, of, um, guys, okay, guys, everybody, hey. Um, Your voice, your tone of voice and your quality of voice says you don't expect anybody to listen to what you're saying. But when you get up and you are, all right, everybody listen up. Everybody listen up. Hey, everybody listen up. You expect to be heard. And they know you expect to be heard. Authority in your voice. Number three, wisdom in your countenance. Ecclesiastes 8.1. Who is as the wise man? Who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Listen to this statement. A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. And the boldness of his face shall be changed. When God gives you wisdom, it gives you a a countenance, a body language that just says, all right, this guy's in control. I I remember several years ago watching a documentary about uh, snipers. And this guy just, I mean literally, inches at a time crawled through a field And it was a reenactment that they showed, but to take out an enemy officer who was several hundred yards away. He was so far away that the sniper couldn't even see the rank of the men through his scope. So here were the instructions. You will always, no, because he was there to take out an officer. He wasn't there to just take out soldiers. You will always know who the leader is, who the officer is, by his body language. Their body language, and by the way, once they learned that, the sniper said on this documentary, once they learned that, it never failed. Once they learn to study leaders and their body language, their countenance. Now, countenance is primarily about the face, but also your body language. Once they learn to read body language without fail, they would identify the officers. Wisdom in your countenance. I said Four tools, and I gave you three. The fruit of the Spirit, authority in your voice, wisdom in your countenance, and last of all, confidence in your eyes. These are not, hey, by the way, these are what I practice. And I'm not saying I never face a challenge. I face challenges lots of times in in controlling. But I tell you what the Lord has blessed me with experience and skill in being able to walk into a large crowd and take control of it. Now, if i got to shake hands with all those people, that's when I lose control. I'm not good at that part, but walk into a large crowd, get everybody's attention, and keep it. And that's the essence of what I'm talking about. It's not exactly the assignment we're talking about, but it's similar, same tools. Fruit of the Spirit, authority in your voice, Wisdom in your countenance. And number four, confidence in your eyes. Proverbs 20, verse 8. A king that sitteth in the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. I remember reading a story about Andrew Jackson when he was first starting out. And he was in a country town somewhere, and there was a, a maniac outlaw in the street. And he's out there, and he's, you know threatening everybody and screaming at everybody, just out in the middle of the street. And Andrew Jackson was in a motel room. he's looking out the window at this whole thing, and he walks outside and walks and by the way, everybody's keeping their distance because they don't want the maniac to, to you know hurt them. And Andrew Jackson walks up to the man, puts his pistol in, up, up to his head, and says, "Knock it off!" And this crazy man immediately. He said, I'll blow your head off. He put his gun away. Andrew Jackson took him by the arm and led him into his jail cell. And they asked the man later, Why? you listen, You wouldn't listen to anybody else. Why'd you listen to him? He said, because I looked in his eyes and I could tell that he meant it. Now, what, are we, what am I talking about? Confidence in your eyes. I heard a man preach recently. Uh, my wife will remember this. We were together. We heard a man preach uh, a while back. And he was, he, was, he was an experienced pastor, and he was motivating the people there. Come on, we can do this thing. And after everything, he, every, every, he would make the most awesome statements. Come on, bless God. We can make this happen. And they'd stop and look at the crowd like this. I'm not exaggerating. In fact, it's worse than that. I can't even do it like you do. And I'm thinking to myself, nobody believes you, man. I love you. I respect you, but nobody believes you. Because your eyes say, you don't know if we can make this happen. Do your eyes show, again, we're, we're still up in that room we're talking about. Do your eyes show confusion or decisiveness? You're in that position there where you're in charge of that room. You're the shepherd and there's the sheep. Do your eyes show uncertainty? Or resolve? Four tools of a shepherd. The fruit of the Spirit, which is first and most important. Authority in your voice. Wisdom in your countenance. Confidence in your eyes. Can I ask you tonight? We're all done. Can I ask you to ask God to make you a shepherd? Here's really my my dream for the future of productivity is for the Sunday night crowd to be able to lead the Sunday morning crowd. You say, well, I am the Sunday morning crowd. Then I think you missed the point if that's your reaction. I'm talking about where the people here on Sunday nights are strong enough That we can take charge of the property. That we can take charge of the property that God gives us. Whatever that property is. Wherever we go. Whatever we purchase. Whatever we build. However many square footage it is. However much square footage it is. And we can have a representative of Northeast Baptist Church in every area. Every hallway. I'm not talking about greeters now. Maybe they serve as greeters. Natalie's our greeter in the lobby. She does this job, whether she knows it or not. She's a presence right there. She's the face of the church. Representatives, no matter how big a building a property God were ever to give us, that we have people, and by the way, I'm talking men and women, where she, well, man, what if a fight broke out? I can't take them on. You don't have to take them on. You just need to know when it's time to. Dial Brother Corky and get out of there. You know what I'm saying? I hope you'll take these tools seriously and I hope you'll ask the Lord, make me a shepherd, Lord. Make me, teach me how to be a shepherd so that I can help a flock. The truth is, if we don't take this concept seriously, then we can't grow. doesn't matter how many visitors we bring. We can't grow if we can't be shepherds to them when they come. Does that make sense? Ask the Lord to help you be a shepherd. Let's stand together tonight.